Industry Pods and Evergreen Podcast Network are pleased to present the following podcast. This content is for informational purposes only. You should not construe any such information or other material as legal, tax, investment, financial or other advice. Nothing contained on here constitutes a solicitation, recommendation, endorsement or offer by Draper Gorenholm or any third-party service provider to buy or sell any securities or other financial instruments whatsoever. Hey everyone, it is me. We are here. Uh, we, Joseph is here too. Say hi, Joseph. Hey, what's up? Boom, boom, boom. We're recording. Good morning, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. I am recording this on the computer now. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Boom. All right. It says it's recording. Boom. 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 I am apparently recording. The entire bubble control. They're all exactly the same. Crypto art. And then what it really is, is an NFT. Wow. How do you want to slap the bag? So this is the next best thing. DeFi is going to be a bubble. It's provably scarce. With Mad Dog. Crypto, gold, and silver. Transparent substance. Take my money, start a war with it. Without further ado. Cheers to you, brother. Get shit done. Because the system has to collapse before that. Mark Corona. Cheers. I feel much better now. Cheers. (laughs) Wow. That was heavy. Boom. Welcome, guys. Blockchain booze number 117. Welcome, uh, George, Freddie, Mati. Uh, this is this is gonna be this is gonna be fun uh, for everyone who's joining on one of the streams. So, first off, I want to thank uh, Blockchain Radio who syndicates this, but of course, Lunar Crush for streaming this on Twitter and uh, for all of the love. But if you're watching on one of the streams and you want to ask questions of uh, this panel and hang out with the rest of the community when we're uh, done with the panel. Come to meet.blockchainbooze.io and uh, come come hang with us. Um, this is gonna be uh, uh, this is what what are you saying, Tan? This is gonna event in LA. We're all around the world. Mati's in Israel. George is in Georgia, um, and Freddie is also in LA. So we could have probably hung out in real life, but but this is virtual. LA Blockchain Summit is coming up in November, so we're gonna talk about that in a minute. But um, <laughs> Pravi, I think you need to start the blockchain and booze DAO. I, I give you permission. Um, all right. Cheers, guys. Uh, Mati, it's been a long time, I think, since, since we've had uh, you on here. Um, or maybe it was a different iteration of some stream. I'm sure we've done lots of streams together, though. But why don't we start with you and go around and, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, get a quick intro from everyone. Hi, my name is Mati Greenspan, the uh, founder and CEO of Quantum Economics. You got to give a little more than that. Come on. I'll, okay, I'll give back. <laughs> I can go for 15 minutes, man. I don't think that. <laughs> we got an hour. We got to fill some time. No, um, but Mati is, 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 a, uh, is a seasoned trader. He does a lot of content. Quantum Economics puts out a great newsletter and a bunch of content around the markets and what's going on. You used to be uh, chief awesome something at uh, eToro, and yeah, that was um, my official title, and, yes, and all that fun stuff. Uh, Mati is awesome, so he's he's here because we want to talk to everyone about what the hell is going on in the markets, um, and, and Mati will give us some good advice. 
Um, let's jump to you, George, and then uh, and then Freddie. George, give awesome. us some background. All right, George Kushner. I spent almost, gosh, three decades in TradFi before finally seeing the light and waking up back in, uh, call it 2019-20, and decided to go all in into the blockchain crypto DLT world in 2021. And I launched a company called H2 Crypto, and my colleague Frederick Rowe is on here. We are the first exchange in the world that we know of to offer true and emphasize true 24-7, 365 live support for retail clients across the world. Think of us as the Schwab or Fidelity of cryptocurrency exchanges. Again, providing 24-7, 365 live support. Hello, everyone. My name is Frederick Rowe. I'm the COO of H2 Crypto. I've uh, been in the blockchain space since uh, early 2017 and uh, ventured into several different sections of Web3. And I'm happy to be here today. Thank you for allowing me to join. Yeah, so, uh, so you know, I wanted George and, and Freddie to be on here because not only do they run an exchange, but they've got, uh, they've got, you know, years of experience, George in the, in the traditional world and Freddie has been in the crypto space uh, alongside us for, for a while. Uh, so, you know, you've been through the roller coaster of, of all of this, this craziness. Um, uh, so everyone, uh, everyone who's watching, by the way, uh, uh, Pravi, you're my hero for that uh, for that post in the chat right now. Um, but, but but Mati, I want to start with you. You know, for everyone who's somewhat new to to crypto, right? Um, people who joined because of NFTs, people who joined just because you know they joined in the last year or two. Um, talk about what what the heck is going on right now you know like the let's start with the sort of uh you know cliff notes 101 guide to to holy shit what's going on right so when you you know when you like spend all night partying right and you like have the wildest party of your dreams like the next morning that's that's what's happening right now we're just this terrible hangover your head can't your head is splitting and uh that the the, the the party, I mean, it, it almost seems like it was worth it as a distant memory, but uh, it, it just sucks being in the moment. So, you know, okay, but <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a great metaphor. <laughs> but, um, you know, okay, so, so you know, we've had, we've had the last couple of years of up only, basically, right? Like you look at the chart, everyone who bought an NFT, you know, everyone but but most people made money on almost every trade people that held made money people that traded made money and now all of a sudden uh, uh everyone's down significantly made money holding for over two years right so you know what what is that attributed to but you know hit, hit that i think it's really easy um, super super easy to be honest but we need to um do a quick history lesson. And if we go back to the spring of 2009, the world was on the brink of a global depression. And so you had the coordination of global central banks do anything and everything they could to pump as much liquidity into the system. And they did that for almost 13 years straight without any breaks. There were some ephemeral breaks here and there. But what you found across the globe was extraordinarily low interest rates. You actually had negative interest rates at one point 
into the tens of tr uh, billions of dollars. And people were taking money and doing things that they didn't really normally would assess any risk to. And so when you look at asset prices across the globe and crypto was no different than stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, hard assets, whatever you want, everything was hyperinflated because these global central banks kept pumping the, the machine. And when I think the seminal moment when the needle came out and kind of pricked the bubble, that's going to be easily defined going back to really the pandemic, because what the pandemic did at first in the spring of 20, when, again, global central banks freaked out and they started flooding the markets with money and printing money like crazy, you saw, again, there was this disincentive to work. So people were locked up from their homes The government was providing them money. We talk about helicopter money. And every asset class in the world just started keep on rising, keep on rising. And people thought the good times would never last. Well, a couple things. If you look at history, the S&P 500 from 1871 to the end of last year annualized at about 9.3%. If you look at the S&P 500 from 2010 to the end of last year, it annualized at about 15.5%. A 60% increase, folks, while volatility dropped by about 45, 50%. So that right there in and of itself is abnormal. And what I think the pandemic has done to prick the bubble is it's gummed up this supply chain issue. And that's why we see the economy in the spring of 20. You know, the economy can be like a light switch for turning it off. And that's what we saw. Men and women across the world abandoned their jobs. Ships were abandoned. Rail cars were abandoned. Uh, planes were abandoned. Trucks were abandoned. And once we started thawing out and coming out of this pandemic, all of those people had either moved on to different jobs or their government were paying them to stay home and not work. So you didn't see these incentives and you see these massive, massive, massive backlogs in supply chain. And we still have that today. Well, when you don't have a lot of supply and demand starts coming back up, guess what happens, right? Prices go through the absolute roof. So that's my very simplistic way of looking at what's happened and where we are today. And I think this inflation has been the needle that has pricked this bubble. And now you have central banks frantic going the opposite way. And so I think, in my humble opinion, it'll absolutely overshoot, unfortunately. Um, but we'll see. So let me get pause there. That was a lot. So you think, or go, Mati, you had something to respond to that? I well, I would, just, I would just sum it all up. Uh, governments like to print money because they feel like they're creating wealth. And for a while they were until they realized that inflation is there and then the inflation comes and they go, wait a second, maybe we should pull some of that money back. And, and, and that's basically what's happening now. And, and so the, and the, their mechanism to, to pulling things back or raising interest rates, making it harder to get money, basically. Yeah, they have two levers. The Fed has two levers that they like to pull. One is the interest rates that they can push up and down. And then the other one is, um, their bond buying purchases, which is the mechanism. People call it printing money. You, you could debate whether it's actually printing money. They're not like physically <laughs> printing with a printing press or anything like that. Uh, they just kind of buy bonds and um, they create money in order to do that with. And then they've basically gone from the biggest buyer of financial assets in the market to the biggest seller of financial assets in the market. It's basically they, they they just rug the market. That's what happened. Yeah, so that's, that's this is like textbook. They got out of the 
all the Fed officials, they, they, they sold at the top. They're like, well, we don't want any yeah. conflict of interest over here. And then they like, all right, well, time to rug. So they, they rugged us. Uh, I mean, we've, we've seen, we've seen some rugs, right? Oh, here, here we go. Uh, Gary just said the same thing, right? <laughs> yes. And there, there, there are a myriad a number of rugs that are happening right now. And, we just we we, we have this we like have we have this historic it. macro storm of like everything going on right now. We got geopolitical friction. We've got supply chain issues. COVID's still present. All markets are down. Negative GDP growth and rate hikes, and everybody's kind of giving into this fear right now. And a lot of people haven't experienced like a bear market before that are new to crypto, and it's, so it's it's very scary for them to experience this. Yeah, it's not it's, only that; it's it's just everything in general, all, everything around us. Yeah. I think four, four I think million gone at the at the moment are underwater. Uh, yeah, as far as the uh, statistics that I read, it's like shit. It's it though. It does feel like it's it's really you know gaslighty and feels a lot like most of those other things, although they are very impactful and they should be impactful, are nowhere near as impactful as what the government has done in terms of inflation, but it's the government's big excuse. You know, Putin is the reason why the economy is doing what it's doing. And, and COVID is the reason why the economy is doing what it's doing. And, and, uh, sure. and supply chain is the reason why the economy is doing what it's doing. But I think, you know, if, if they didn't completely uh, uh, create trillions of dollars out of thin air, it wouldn't nearly be as big of an issue. Right. And, to say it was COVID because they were trying to give the common people, you know, uh, um, stimuluses and things like that. That was like one tenth, one twentieth of what they printed the money for. Most of it went to other places. That was just the excuse to get it past, you know, uh, the people, right? Like the people aren't going to aren't going to say anything because we're getting twelve hundred bucks. Um, it is. It's absolutely bonkers. Like uh, it's. I don't know. That's how it feels like to me. Am I, am I wrong? <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right on the money there, man. Yeah, so, I mean, you have central bankers playing mad scientists and sometimes they get it right and lucky. And sometimes often, I don't think, I think, look, I'm freaking barely passed school. I was a terrible student, but I could tell that they were creating inflation and they were giving money to to people that really didn't need it. Like they were creating money like like uh like what what you were saying or like what mati said to create wealth right it was it was total it was i don't know it was total bs because like the fact that when people were talking about how it was going to cause inflation they were like i don't know maybe a little we might see a little bit of inflation like like come on like you that's Can like I share my screen here for a second yeah yeah go ahead i would love to see here it is. I don't know if you can see this. Can you see this graph here? Yep. Okay. This, you cool. see this, you see this, this is the U S interest rate, right? They were trying to kind of normalize things. Uh, and then, and then, uh, this actually, this is before COVID there was a hiccup in short-term lending rates. Like, like the fed was trying to get back on track, like a freaking heroin junkie. And they just fell off the wagon here. Like they're like, okay, we're going to stop printing. Oh no, there's a little bit of liquidity missing in the system. And they just like started putting, pushing the printing press again. This is pre-COVID. Here, this is COVID, right? You see this big drop over here? This is what's called an emergency rate cut, mm -hmm. right? You see this big spike over here two years later? This is what they call an emergency rate hike. <laughs> so I don't know if you get the irony just looking at the chart, emergency cut. Uh, 
emergency hike. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? You don't like stop playing with the damn levers, guys. Just like seriously. Well, it's what's what's wild about it is what I I think what's gonna happen next is the thing that is is the for me at least it feels like the big unknown. Like, what the hell happens next? I don't know because crypto so, is so unpredictable order, as it is. Life. But then also, what happens to the housing markets? What happens to being able to, you know, buy cars, buy homes, live our lives, buy a banana? Like, it's it's insane. It's, it's, well, it's playing out on the 100-year cycle, man. This is the 20s all over again, the roaring 20s, and then the fucking Great Depression. And I'm sorry to say it, but yeah, um, well, in, order to, in order to normalize inflation, unemployment needs to go up and stay up for a long time. And the Fed basically gave that signal at their last meeting, which was uh, just a week ago, where you know they have um, basically a dual mandate. They have two responsibilities. One is to keep prices stable, meaning keep inflation under under control, and the other is to keep people in their jobs, right? And they basically, in their last statement, they basically dropped all of the language around keeping people in their jobs or unemployment. They didn't say anything about that. They're just like, we are fully committed on getting inflation under control. In order to get inflation under control, people need to lose their jobs. Uh, Larry Summers said that yesterday. He basically gave some figures, which I which I tweeted out. It was something like you know, unemployment needs to come up for you know to ten percent for like a year or two, um, or you know he gave several scenarios. Well, if he comes up to you know seven percent for for five years, that that should that should do it. Like, but basically, it means that a lot of people are going to have to really suffer. Um, uh, I can't really complain, you know, I mean, I've, I've been the benefit of, you know, the, the bull market and stuff like that. And um, I think that a lot of us have been kind of, you know, maybe uh, sitting on the couch and, and not going out to work as much. Um, and uh, now we're, we're, we're paying for it. That's, that's basically what happened. It's, it's, it seems insane, right? Do you think, like, do you think now is it a huge opportunity in that Hey, if there is going to be a bunch of unemployment again, um, you know, for me, it felt like the 2008, 2009 stuff felt like that was the creation of social media, right? Like that was, and and in my mind, I I, I was I felt like at least that was the time I was working at MySpace, so it feels like I I, I worked at I went from Countrywide to MySpace, so think about that um, uh, right before the financial crisis. And it felt like that was the beginning of, of something brand new. This is feels like the next step, the evolution of the internet, right? Like you went from, from, you know, Amazon and PayPal being the revolutionary thing, e-commerce to social media to now, now crypto and blockchain. Um, you know, I, I, on the positive note, I, I'm hoping that this is, this is now an opportunity, right? For, for all the folks who, who do end up unemployed, the folks who are having to learn something new, having to, to kind of retrain. Um, is this the, the next frontier? How yeah, I mean, there's, there, was some, there were some great things that came out of the last bear market. I mean, we had a DeFi summer and an NFT boom last year. I mean, you never know what's going to happen in crypto. Are you speaking specifically about crypto or just anything I, in general? So I was, I was thinking crypto at the beginning, but, but Mati put us into full Great Depression mode. And so now I'm going, okay. Yeah, no, let's keep it positive. <laughs> let's keep it positive for I, I, the viewers sorry. and everybody. Let's keep it positive. Let's only talk about our own industries uh, cycles. But okay. but the thing is, 
one of the like if you think about crypto in a negative way like you know people i did a show today called the big biz show my, my friend Sully's show that i do once a week and it's in san diego I, I did it from home though and and they always talk to me about about crypto obviously and one of the things that are that's really interesting and a testament to to where we are as an industry is that in situations like this when it's not just crypto that's going down it's it's the whole economy um where do people go to get money they go to their most liquid assets and the fact that you can swap all of your tokens now it's not just bitcoin and ethereum that are liquid you know it's 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 a thousand tokens and you know that's part of why it went goes down so fast but also it's a huge testament to how mature the industry is you know we we have liquid we have liquidity right so crypto is um the when it, during these cycles that the fed goes through of printing money and pulling it back there's always a buildup of leverage right when in during the printing times during the time in in 2008 that was the housing market right now it's it's crypto that's the highest risk portion of the market. That's where the biggest buildup of leverage was. Um, you need to look at the numbers. This is a great coincidence, but Lehman Brothers market cap before it went under was $80 billion. Terra Luna's market cap was $80 billion. Guys, I, this is like, you know, <laughs> big, big neon flashing sign. Like, this is exactly what's happening. I mean, this is, this is, is playing out in repeat. Um, you want to call it crypto and say, oh, well, well we need to regulate now. Guys, this is this is the policymakers. This is the lawmakers um, forcing money, uh, feeding the economy like a goose. But that goose has to get slaughtered eventually. So, do you think so? Getting getting back to the crypto side of things, do you consider this a similar market cycle to the normal? You know, hey, we had our two thousand seventeen uh, uh, crash. We're gonna have we're gonna be hit hard, and then. You know, six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, we're going to ha- hit hit a major bull market and pick everything back up again. Or do you think that the outlying, you know, crazy rest of the world market conditions, uh, IRL, you know, conditions are going to uh, affect crypto in a totally different way this time? Well, there's there's one thing that everybody's missing alone, which is digital scarcity. There's only ever going to be 21 million. I mean, think about that number, 21 million. It's not a lot for a global yeah. payment system that's uh, even Powell himself uh, admitted uh, candidly that uh, is going to be to rival the US dollar. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, have no, I have no doubts about Bitcoin. I think that short-term traders, um, as soon as COVID hit, right, we saw that big asset sell-off, whatever, but everything sold, right? Stocks sold, uh, you know, the you know, commodities yeah. sold off, everything sold off. And then it was like, wait a second, they're going to print a bunch of money and everything went to the moon. Um, in, 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 that, in that time, the trading psychology, uh, people who program robots and people who day trade uh, kind of merged all of the high risk assets and put them into one freaking basket. Okay. If something's going up, if high risk is going up, crypto is going to go up, stocks are going to go up and they trained their algorithms to act accordingly. Um, that uh, th- that basically is the great coupling. We've never seen the correlation between uh, traditional markets and um, you know and, and, and crypto markets so high ever, and it's currently sitting at an all-time high. Um, that kind of that in my mind that kind of has to break down at some point. 
uh, you have, I mean, and, and maybe, you know, maybe there'll be a, a, a decoupling between Bitcoin and some of the more risky altcoins, because there's an infinite number of shit coins in the world. Uh, but there's only ever going to be 21 million uh, Bitcoins. So um, in my mind, uh, you know, 20,000 could hold, but it, it could also break. Um, but for me, uh, this bear market is, is about accumulating uh, and stacking sets without, without a doubt. Yeah. Alon, I think it's a to be determined answer to your question because the reality are, is uh, to what Freddie was speaking about. There are way too many global macro econometric forces going on right now. And, you know, a lot of times in TradFi, when we have these issues, people say this time is different. This time is usually never, ever, ever different. I will say this time we don't know because the Fed is in full play right now. And there's an old saying in the TradFi world, you can't fight the Fed. And there are a lot of foolish people out there that try and fight the Fed and they wind up because they don't have the balance sheet and they don't have the control of the printing presses like the Federal Reserve does. But when you look out across the landscape right now, knowing that the Fed is choreographed to the market very clearly that they are going to do whatever they can to stamp out inflation, which really means they're going to raise interest rates until they get inflation down around three, three point five percent, four percent, somewhere in that that range. And that's going to take some time. I personally think they'll hit it again in July. They're off in August. I don't think they'll go intra and maybe pause into September. But but who knows? My crystal ball is as good as anybody else's. But outside of that, you still have remnants of the pandemic. You have Shanghai. You have Beijing that are kind of going off and on. You have this kind of smoldering war going on in Ukraine and Russia. You have China chirping about Taiwan. And you have, again, the global coordination almost of a lot of central banks. The Swiss National Bank just raised interest rates last week, which freaked people out and totally caught people flat-footed. So it's to be determined if people want to get out there and think they can try and catch falling knives. Good luck to you. But I will tell you that in TradFi, trying to time the market is absolutely positively impossible. There's been report after report after report that indicates that. And I think crypto is even more treacherous because you have such a higher vol surface in crypto than you do in the TradFi market. Do you get people that luck out and maybe call it? Yeah, you do. But if you try and do that stuff consistently, you're going to end up in the, in the wrong side of the trade. You, you, just, you, you just reminded me to, to start doing my every few day uh, called it tweet, just, just in case. I've been missing those. Well, but... do it after the market closed. So yeah, this. Well, is yeah, I always it's it's totally <laughs> random. It's just when I remember every few days, I just tweet called it, and every now, once in a while, it gets retweeted a few times, as if you I can, was you really can get smart. A, you can get a bot that does that for you, man. I should. Well, but it wasn't <laughs> random enough. I need to to figure out a, a, a good. Uh, oh boy. I I stopped. I used to have a bot that would actually post uh, certain things from Lunar Crush. Get, get, but get the one that Bump uses. It's it's uh, it seems to be working for him. I'll tell you the one piece of information that I have found interesting <laughs> since this is my first exposure to a, a massive drawdown in at least the crypto space. And I'm sure Monty can talk a lot more about this because he's been in the world more than I have on this side of the investment world. But there's this notion of the 200 week moving average of Bitcoin specifically. Now, in the TradFi world, if somebody came to me with a 200 week average, I would laugh them out of my freaking office because like, 200 week, did you say? Like 200 week, four odd years almost? What does that mean? But in this world, that means something. In the other world, 200 moving day, simple average. Yeah, we look at that kind of stuff. But here, it seems that um, there's been pretty good empirical data that the four or five times that Bitcoin specifically, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls at home, I'm talking about Bitcoin specifically, not crypto, 
But the four or five times we've seen these 70 odd percent plus drawdowns and Bitcoin has crossed through its 200 week moving average, that has held pretty strong as the support level and it's bounced. Now, there have been times where it's gone through that even more to the tune of about another 30 percent. But through these four or five times that it's happened, that seems to be a very close to the bottoming out process. And right now, I think that number is somewhere around 22.3. Monty, Monty, please correct me if I'm wrong. So oh, we're obviously a little bit below that because I think when we came online tonight, we were right at, what, 20 or just under 21, something like that. So do keep an eye on um, on that kind of 200-week moving average number and see you know, if Bitcoin can hold. I, I still think we have... The market just trades way too heavy, and TradFi is not done going down. There's no doubt. And to Mati's point, right now, the um, the Bitcoin and NAS 100 correlation coefficient is screaming at 0.7, which is saying, yeah, we're really correlated right now. I personally hate that because one of the things I loved about Bitcoin was I looked at it as really, I know this sounds crazy for those of you that know what I'm about to uh, talking about. I look at it as almost a risk on and a risk off asset. And people are like, huh? You can't have that. It's got to be one or the other. And the reason I look at that, and again, I'm only talking Bitcoin right now, is that I personally view Bitcoin as a commodity. What if you just say commodity, part commodity, or what, <laughs> what he was talking about? Right? Second time until I heard it. Or a value, but it's also a currency because you can use it to buy and sell goods and services. So yeah. um, there are 19,900 cryptocurrencies right now. Please don't get mad at me, ladies and gentlemen, but in my humble opinion, 90% go to zero. Yes, just like in the dot-com wreck when you had just massive attrition. But that being said, there are some really, really awesome teams, awesome projects, and good use case for a lot of them. So just like everything else in life, I tell people when you invest, whether it's crypto or stocks, bonds, commodities, currencies, art, have a boxer mentality. Protect yourself at all time and do your research. Yeah, uh, It's like when you ask somebody, uh, you know, for, if Bitcoin is a safe haven or, or a risk asset, I mean, it really depends where they're from, right? If they're from the United States, it's definitely a risk asset. If they're from Venezuela, it's a fucking safe haven, <laughs> honestly. Um, but I, I want to invalidate everything you said about uh, the, the, the 200-week moving average and all the technical analysis. Actually, I'm celebrating today. I was blocked by uh, Plan B, uh, 1.8 million followers. He finally got around to blocking me. <laughs> um, I've been calling BS on that guy basically from the beginning. Uh, I guess I, I, I really got under his skin today with the simple sentence that past performance does not indicate future results. Um, this, as a licensed portfolio manager, is something that uh, my regulators, uh, SISEC, uh, tell me I have to say this sentence every single time I show a price graph. And what does it mean? It means that it is impossible to tell the future based on what happened in the past. It's just simply impossible. When you look at a chart, what you're looking at is past. You're looking at the history. You cannot say from that empirically with any sort of level of confidence what's going to happen in the future because Bitcoin in its last, you know, in its, in its infant, in, infancy has not passed this 200 week moving average doesn't mean that it cannot happen. Um, so always take any kind of anything that you see on the chart, any kind of technical indicators uh, with a pinch of salt. Yeah, but at the same time, it's a. It's a great time, just as ever, but even better now, probably to keep stacking, right? If you're dollar cost averaging, if you're if you're being very, you know, if you want to make money, money in the markets, there are four simple words, four magical words that will help you do that every single time. You ready? Buy low, sell high. 
Okay, that's it. That's all it's about. Okay, if Bitcoin is trading at 65k, is that high or low? Oh, I don't know. That sounds a bit, bit high to me, uh, according to what it's ever been before, uh, according to his, history, right? So that's kind of where you want to be on the sell side. Is it at 20k? Is that high or low? Um, well, I mean, over the last two years, it's it's, it's damn low. If a few years ago, if we were if we were having this conversation at the last in-person LA blockchain summit in uh, two, 2019, and we were saying, you know, uh, Bitcoin would be at 20K uh, and ETH would be at, I don't know what it's at right now, so 1100 bucks and, and, and most of these tokens would be where they are. Um, and uh, I think most people would, would, would be, you know, maybe a little confused because because I don't remember what Bitcoin was at at that point, 10K or something, maybe 8K. Um, uh, but but I think everyone would be really stoked. But because we see it through a lens of it was just 60K or ETH was just four grand, um, it, it feels it feels insane. Right. If you're if you're living and breathing and trading. Right. And one of the reasons why I wanted you guys on, because you guys are more experienced in trading. I'm more experienced in just accumulating and hoping for the best. And because I do early stage startups, right? I'm investing, hoping to maybe make a, make a profit in 10 years. So I'm, I treat crypto the same way, unless I get airdropped something or something happens that's weird. And then I take whatever gains I get from that and I throw it in the savings account and I'm waiting 10 years. Um, so, you know, it's uh, to me, I'm not living and dying by this, but also I see all of my friends and family and everyone around you know, uh, uh, in these markets doing that. So I want to, uh, to, to, to do this. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the chat. Hey, everyone in the chat, let me just do a little reset to anyone who's watching on one of the streams. Um, cause there's a lot of you on the streams, more on the streams than in the chat. Feel free to jump into meet.blockchainbooze.io and ask questions in the QA. Um, throw any questions for, for these guys in the QA. Cause, uh, you know, they're they're awesome they're smarter than i am and that's why they're here uh, uh, otherwise i'll just keep asking them all my selfish questions and that'll be fun too well um, i think that what you said is a lot smarter than anything i've ever done honestly because um i've tried trading uh many many times over the years and i always lose money every single goddamn time man it's it's in in my mind like and i've and not only have i tried trading i've been an account manager and various online brokers uh, the TradeFi world that George was talking about. And I've literally seen thousands, if not tens of thousands of people come in thinking they're going to make a billion bucks. And then, you know, the, the market just handing them their ass. I've seen it over and over and over again throughout my career. It's, and it's only a very, 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 very small few who are actually are able to make with any sort of consistency uh, gains in the market. Um, the people who make money alone are like you. Every time they're the ones who say, "Wait a second, I'm going to grab an asset and I'm going to hold on to it for ten years, and ten years from now, it's going to appreciate because the asset has underlying value that's going to go up in value." Yeah, but it's, it's so easy, especially if it's your first down. Financial assets are designed to go up. But when you when it's your first kind of foray into the space, right? And let's say. You got in, you know, we've had the V friends people on and Gary V and we've had all these things. And I went to VCon and all that. Right. And if your first NFT 
he he brought thousands and thousands of new new blood in the into the space, right? And if your first NFT was a V friend, and then you bought a board ape and you goofed around, it pretty much went up only for the last year, right? And and it's so easy to then go, oh shit. ETH also, that thing that I bought to do to buy the thing went up. And ooh, ApeCoin, and what's this looks rare thing? And then you just start buying these things and so many of them, you know, it's it's really easy to get caught up in the FOMO and all those things. And so I and I'm not immune to that, right? In the first kind of cycle and whatever, I'm still was very long term. I didn't lose a ton of money, but I probably took ETH and things like that that I had that I maybe got paid or I bought, you know, early on and I swapped it for these things. And, 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 you know, I joke, like I drove to work in LA traffic. It's an hour and a half. By the time I got to work, I was a genius. Oh my God, it went up 25%. And then by the time I was driving home from work, it was down 50%. And then I get home from work, it's up 50%. Like it was even more volatile and crazy back then. Um, but, but I see how people, you know, can get sucked into it now. So I want to kind of, it's, but it's also, all of our parents telling us, you know, when you win a hand in blackjack, put a chip in your pocket, right? It's easier said than done. How many times have you gone to Vegas? Uh, I don't want to compare this to gambling, but some of it is like gambling. Um, there are three or four things, okay, that are so important. One is humans notoriously are the worst traders known to man. They just are. They always buy at the high and they always sell at the low. <clears throat> And the reason is real simple. Human beings succumb to the four characteristics of emotion and they constantly fall for it over and over and over. Passion, indiscipline, greed, and fear. And the thing that's interesting about markets is when you try and trade them, as I've explained, and I worked in the, the highest high echelons of TradFi, whether it was in the hedge fund, fund of fund, managed futures, private equity world. And every single time people try and trade the markets, you just, you flat out lose. And there's a little guy in Omaha, Nebraska. He's kind of an old guy who's 90 years old. And he's done well with his investment portfolio. And his secret sauce is this. Let's find really good, high quality companies. Ideally, they have a moat around them. They have a dividend they pay and they grow that dividend. And I'm going to invest in that company and I'm going to sit back and be Rip Van Winkle. And I'll wake up in 20, 30, 40, 50 years and see how they've done. And the guy's now worth $100 billion. And the little guy's name in Omaha, Nebraska is none other than Warren Buffett. So he knows that trading these markets is, is a fool. I'm not, I'm not supposed to like what he says because he doesn't like Bitcoin. That's why he, that's why he didn't introduce him until the end. I, was, I, I picked up on that. I was wondering if you were even going to say his name. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I challenged him on Twitter. He hasn't come back to me to accept the challenge. If you remember, <laughs> if you remember back, back ah. in 2010, back in, I think it was 2010 or 2005, Warren Buffett had a famous bet with a hedge fund manager. And the bet was that Warren Buffett said, I think just buying the S&P 500 will beat a basket of hedge fund investments for the next 10 years. And so they bet, you know, I don't know, a couple million dollars and the proceeds went to charity. So I recently challenged Warren Buffett, not a couple million dollars, but a couple cents, that I will take Bitcoin for the next 10 oh, years. <laughs> I will take Bitcoin for the next 10 years. And he will, and this is before the sell-off, by the way, I'd still do the trade. And he can have the S&P 500 for the next 10 years, and we'll see. So, yes, I do disagree with him and Charlie Munger on this, only because they've never done the research to understand the technology. And 
there are a lot of former trad fi guys who used to be dumb like that. And you might be looking at one. You right don't, here. you don't kind buy and sell. You don't buy and sell what, you know, uh, uh, based on the tweets of like cartoon apes on Twitter. Yeah, no, but, um, what is amazing <laughs> is a lot of people actually do. <laughs> it depends on the ape. Expecting to make money, man. It's just because it's fun. I mean, this guy knows yeah. what he's talking about. Yeah. There you go. This guy too. Yeah. I, would listen to. I would listen to those guys. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, man, are those are those your? I've never bought an NFT. No, I don't. Uh, this one is Jordan. Uh, Jordan Lyle. Jordan Ape Lyle. This is uh, Jason the Ape. This is uh, Mike Shinoda's Ape. Shinoda. Board Shinoda. And this is this is my guy. Punk Ape strong. Punk right strong. Yeah. Yeah, there he is. Nice. Uh, this is this one is Clape Morrow. This guy is is uh, pretty rad. Um, but um, okay, we actually have some questions here. We've got about fifteen minutes, so I'm gonna try to jump into into some of these. Um, a couple from uh, Times. Let's just see here. So, um, not sure I fo- fully understand. So, did the uh, did the Luna debacle and then sell off of uh, of all of their crypto, um, like Bitcoin, was that was that a major part of this crash? Is that I think, you know, do you think that was that I had think, a think, major role? I think Luna Terra was kind of the initial crack in the fissure, and then right behind that, we see what's coming down the pipe with Celsius, yeah, with Babel, three arrows. And then just this afternoon, late, Block, BlockFi was on the lifeline, $250 million line of credit by FTX. I'm fairly certain three arrows. Please don't sue me if I'm wrong. Well, I'm not going to say I'm fairly certain. I don't know. But they are damn sure on the road struggling for their lives, as is Celsius. And so I think that people are starting to set back and realize what I said a few minutes ago actually might make some sense. Folks, I'm begging you, protect yourself at all times. Do some research into the projects. I understand the lure and appeal of getting rich quick. Believe me, I get it. But oftentimes, it's just not going to happen. So just be careful with those. But I think those with the market already coming down, the TradFi world and the correlation coefficients picking up between Bitcoin and the NAS. And once you see that, that's when people, again, when I just spoke about emotions a minute ago, that's when everything rational gets thrown out the window. We're going to sell everything now and worry about what happens later and see where the dust settles. So adding on that, George, I would say that, you know, it's easy to make money when the Fed is printing like crazy, like people are, they're just literally handing out money. It's very easy to make money. A project like Luna can survive in that kind of environment for a very long time because people will just keep taking some of that new money and pouring it in. But that's why the market goes through cycles. That's why the forest needs to get burned down every once in a while. Uh, Business models can get tested. And all of those companies that you mentioned, obviously, they were able to make money in the bull market. It wasn't a problem for them. As soon as the bear market comes along, money's not so free anymore. That's when the business model gets tested. That's when, you know, the big ones are going to go under, just like it yeah. did in 2008. Same, same thing happening here. And the ones who are able to make gains during the bear market, the ones who are able to consolidate and, and move forward, oh, there's, they're the ones going to do the best when the bull comes back to town. And I think in the long run, this is healthy for the market. You know, every market has these rent cycles and you separate the wheat from the chaff. And I think, again, I'm not going to be ugly to these companies. I hope they do survive. I hope they pull out of their tailspins. 
but there are, there are going to be you know several companies that do not make it from this. And again, I, I don't think it's over with right now. I think we're still in the drawdown. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I would love to see it start to stabilize. But I think, again, in, until the Fed has choreographed that pretty much they're done, we're going to see a lot of choppiness in here. So, you know, uh, Teddy has a good question, right? The, the media uh, saying, you know, over and over again in this bear market, is crypto dead? Crypto is dead, whatever. How, how do you guys feel we, uh, we maintain, you know, the adoption of new users during the bear market? How do we bring some new life in here when, when the media is just talking such mad trash about us? To me, that that couldn't be the, the uh, chief marketing officer of crypto. He'll uh, he'll he'll come out with a, with an awesome campaign. Freddie, Freddie, Freddie is the CEO of Bitcoin. Freddie, what do you think? I, I think that the way that we we instill confidence in in the new investors in crypto is we fix our problems and we build new stuff. You know that the, the down markets and and the, the bear markets are all about building, and we're technologists. Like, let's go in there and build new stuff to to fix our own problems. And I love it. I mean, I, I love you know one of the reasons why I love what what you guys are building, George and Freddie, is because it it helps the new the newbies get into the space and makes them feel comfortable when they could actually pick up the phone and call somebody and and do all you know do all the things that you guys uh, provide. So so I love that. Um, I've got we got a super serious question from uh, from Coop uh, in here. This might be the last question. I'm not sure, but we'll see if we we get some more um, uh, time. Um, so, and I don't even know if we're the right the uh, the right panel today to talk about this, but 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 this is a, a good one. So you know, uh, it's a two part question. The second part is uh, so. He's asking, are we prepared for a significant cyber attack from, you know, Russians uh, uh, or, or anyone against Bitcoin stability? Um, and, and then he said, if, if uh, successful, what could the SEC or Federal Reserve do to help us save crypto? Which they will never help us save crypto. There's no chance. They'd, they'd be so, you know, happy uh, uh, yeah, in 2008, they all got bailouts, right? We didn't get no bailouts. Yeah, that's that's there the thing. No I was talking about this. You know, <laughs> the financial, you know, every bank basically got, put, got bailed, bailed out. Imagine the government bailing out Celsius right now. No. Yes, yes, Bitcoin Network can handle uh, any kind of attack. In my opinion, it is the most secure uh, uh, computer network in the, or network in the world by far. I mean, you would have to simultaneously take out what tens of thousands of nodes across the globe, and and I'm not a technologist, but that's I would almost like be impressed hard. if that was uh, capable. <laughs> but I'm not trying yeah. to wish any bad. bad Even holding 51 percent of the hash rate is going to cost you like millions of dollars per second, uh, if not billions, and then like you'd have to control it for a few hours, uh, and then. Even if that, even if you do manage to put that kind of investment capital and time into it, um, we could just fork the network and, and make make a new a new Bitcoin. Well, then you got more security issues when you fork. So, yeah, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's not an ideal solution. But yeah, I don't think I don't think Bitcoin has uh, has uh, that. But also, what I always say about crypto, uh, and this you know applies even ten x that is that I've never been in an industry, um, and I bet you guys can attest to this, where, you know, 
the smartest people in the world are participating, right? Like you go to a crypto event and every time I've ever felt I totally understand something, I walk into a room and I'm just, my mind is blown and I realize, oh, I didn't know shit, right? And that's, that I feel like that in the crypto space more than any other space I've ever been involved in, more than any other thing I've ever learned about. And we're talking about the greatest technologists, the greatest math nerds, basically, the greatest engineers in the whole entire world are, are basically, you know, hanging out, ready to, to help protect this if something was, was happening. But they've all, they're the ones who built the system, right? Um, what you see when you go to conferences, man? What was that? You know, just see when you go to conferences. I see a bunch of shit coins, but well, nah. big, big marketing, man. <laughs> well, I see a bunch of hope. But but I'm being pitched to. I'm being pitched to by techies like every sure. single day, right? And so I see the shit. Yes, and, I see it at home on the Zoom all, all the time. At the conferences, I, I the conferences, you know, the more flamboyant and the more outspoken a lot of times, unfortunately, there's a lot more marketing and a lot less tech. But when we talk about um, the, you know, just I, I got to go to some of the, some of the some of the better conferences like the ones you're going to. I think that's right. You got to come to LA Blockchain Summit, hang out at the builders, uh, right. and and hang with uh, hang hang with the people building. But you know, uh, <laughs> here Gerald said they can't attack BTC, but but they're attacking a lot of other stuff. Um, that that's that's very true. Uh, and and the thing is, the things that withstand the test of time become the future Ethereum's and Bitcoins and Tezos's of the world, right? That can actually handle this kind of thing that are actually truly decentralized. Um, and that's 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 and it's true about people as well. Whoever can survive the bear market, uh, I mean, you don't you don't deserve to be in this market if you're only here for for, for the bull runs. Look, we did. You know what's what's going to be great, and I don't know how long the uh, the bear market will last this time around. But we had our one conference in uh, uh, I think it was 2018, right after the everything dropped, right. And you looked around the room, and it was a totally different vibe. There was a bunch of companies, there was a bunch of people, but but the, it was just less energy and maybe less attendees and. But there were companies there, there were the people there, there were the builders there. And the people who stuck around are the people running the biggest companies in the space right now, right? Like, so we, we've seen it at our conferences uh, through the cycles and through the years. And right now, for those who are participating and watching from an investor standpoint or as a community standpoint, you know, support the people building today and, and you know, we'll you know, I think we're, we're all going to be rewarded together as, as things grow and change over, over time. Um, I'm, uh, uh, Amen I'm, and, and cheers. Absolutely. Uh, yes. Uh, and Juan, I, I, I do want to end at least my, my comments on a relatively positive note, because I feel like I've been doom and gloom, and it's not. I think that, A, you know, the withdrawal, the withdrawal, the drawdowns we've witnessed right now, whether they're over or not, at least from a precedence and historical standpoint, it's always come back and come back even more strong. So we have that on our side. If yeah. you look at the current uh, Bitcoin Smart Money Futures Index, which is the commitment of traders. So this is Bitcoin futures, which are driven by institutional investors. Those numbers are very close to all-time highs. And they've been increasing all the way from September of last year. They had a little bit of a dip a couple of weeks ago, but they're back up to growing. So that's the longs increasing over the shorts. 
Last week, we saw about $2 billion getting moved off of exchanges, which is actually a good positive sign, right, which is counterintuitive. And then the last thing I read recently was the giga whales. So those are wallet addresses with 100,000 Bitcoin or more. Those are at all-time highs. So there's still a lot of positive things. There's no doubt in my mind that um, Bitcoin is real. It's going to recover. It's going to come back. And it's going to be bigger and better than ever, no doubt about it. And a lot of other projects. I'm not just speaking about Bitcoin. But um, I think as long as you have a relatively long-term time horizon, and aren't looking to get rich quick, that crypto in my 30-year TradFi business is the most exciting, promising thing I've ever seen. I love it. I love it. And again, from uh, your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> uh, so, but um, I think, you know, going going back to just this, this you know, this, this craziness happening right now, there's so many things outside of our control, right? Um, I think we... We are uh, extremely fortunate to be in the space and know about it now, because even knowing about it now is very, very early. Um, and I think that we have a, a very long ways to go. And I think we're, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're all there. So let's do a quick um, wrap up from you guys. I know, you know, I'll, I'll say it for George and Freddie, you know, H2 Crypto is a place to go if you need somebody to hold your hand when you're buying your first Bitcoin, when you're buying your first Ethereum. Um, and and all the other coins you guys support, but why don't you guys give a quick uh, where they where everyone can follow you um, and where to connect, Mr. Rowe? Would you like honors? Uh, like the, all, all the H two crypto the the channels for social media. There we go. We got that pin somewhere. So hold on, George, you have that pin. If you don't mind, if you could get that. Please. Our website is www.h2crypto.io. Our Twitter handle is at H2, the number two, E-X-C-H. Our Instagram handle is H2 underscore E-X-C-H. We want to keep everybody guessing at home. And then both on LinkedIn and Facebook, it is H2 Crypto. And on Reddit, it should be R H2 E-X-C-H. Love it. Um, and Mati, where's the, the best place to follow you and where do we sign up for your newsletter? Sure. Um, well, I, I want to give a final thought before we go into the uh, the, 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 the tables and, and, and speak with people. Um, and, and this is how I manage my portfolio as well. And I saw the writing on the wall when the Fed sold their stocks and started talking about tightening the policy. I understood it was going to happen, but I didn't sell nearly anything. Maybe maybe I in, increased a little bit my uh, dollar cost averaging operations, um, you know. But but that was it. It's like literally, I didn't sell off my portfolios for the simple reason. M my philosophy on this remains very strong. Y you invest money when you have excess capital, and you withdraw money when you need capital. And everything that happens in between, um, the markets go up, the markets go down. I'm definitely not going to be holding my, my value in currency that is designed intentionally to depreciate. Uh, not going to happen. Um, my, my Twitter is uh, at Mati Greenspan. Uh, you definitely uh, give me a follow there. And uh, the newsletter is at quantumeconomics.io. Uh, quantumeconomics.io is our uh, website, of course. And on the homepage, you'll see the, 
the, the box there to put your email address. Uh, I'm writing the newsletter personally on Mondays and Thursdays. The rest of the week, we have other analysts from the team covering it. Love it. And, uh, and, and thank you guys for, for joining me. We're all going to hang together. Mati, we're, we're going to make sure you, you come uh, to LA Blockchain Summit in November. Um, uh, one quick plug for the uh, Me is just... <laughs> We're going to do it. I'll come to Israel. I'll put you in a headlock. You're coming. Ah. Um, um, but uh, uh, we. Uh, um, <laughs> I'm just reading the chat. Did you, I don't know if you saw. BB Studio said your last name is intensely ironic at the moment. Um, oh. uh, I was wondering, is that Alan's grandson? Yeah. All right. So here's the deal. Okay. I was in <laughs> Vegas one time. Okay. I was. I'm not going to say that I, I was uh, doing something illegal, but I was not yet 21. And uh, I was with a girl that I was trying to impress, obviously. Uh, and they call us both. Uh, these two security guards catch us on the way back to our uh, respective rooms. Of course, we were going to separate rooms. Yes. Uh, and they're like, uh, can you can you show us your IDs? Like, um, we're like, oh, shit. <laughs> we, got, we got totally busted. They took us through this corridor. You got you these all sided Ocean's Eleven. They, those corridors do exist. And they took us to this little small room. Uh, <laughs> literally, the guy sitting behind the desk, and he goes, "Greenspan, huh? I've heard that name before." And I'm like, "Yeah, man, he's the uh, he's the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Alan Greenspan." I didn't say anything about a relationship, nothing like that. He's just like, "Stop the process." <laughs> Let's go back to rooms no vetting whatsoever they were about to like literally throw us in jail ban us from all of the casinos in las vegas forever uh and everything but uh you know thanks to uh uncle alan that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> i love it so uh that that's hilarious that's great so so everyone hey thank you for joining oh the the plug i was gonna give is uh for everyone who's signed up to blockchain booze in the past and have put your Tezos address, you're, you're already covered. Um, because like Punk Apestrong did his drop of his hats, I'm going to do a Tezos drop uh, from Punk Apestrong. So if you didn't see that yet and you didn't put a Tezos address uh, in your login for blockchain booze at some point, go find that tweet uh, at, near the top of my feed and uh, put in your Tezos address. Punk Apestrong is going to drop you something fun. Um, awesome. Uh, but <laughs> Greenspan privilege. Um, <laughs> Complex. <laughs> all right, guys, have a great night. Uh, for those of you who are in the, uh, on the chats on YouTube, on Twitter, and everywhere else, uh, one last time I'll tell you, go to meet.blockchainbooze.io. When I turn off uh, this stream right now, you'll be able to turn on your screen, uh, turn on your camera and microphone, and talk to people at tables and hang out. All right, guys, have a good night. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Thanks boys. Thank you.